Hello and welcome back to this show after a break. <laughs> Unintended. <laughs> well, eh, somewhat. It's kind of a long weekend here and it was just time to get outside for a little bit. But uh, we are back at Reviews from the Crawl Space here, episode 101. Music 101, right here. Reviews from the Crawl Space. I am Douglas and over there, across the table from me, is Vicky. Hi. Yeah, <laughs> see? I knew she was there. Um, yeah, we just literally just finished listening to it. Just I just turned off the music before we started this. And, uh, yeah, I would say this is one of those episodes that kind of turned out a little bit different than I thought it would. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we'll get cracking. So what, what's the three we got today? Okay, the three albums that we've got to talk about today mm -hmm. are uh, from a band called The Seldom Seen, and it's spelled S-C-E. N E mm -hmm. and it's quite, called Act Two. Quite clever. Yes. Yes, given <laughs> given the, given the genre. <laughs> given the intra given the information that the research. Uh, the second one is by the Kinks called Misfits. And the third one is the Rolling Stones, Black and Blue. Black and blue. Alright. Anything you want to add before we get get crack it on today's episode? Fantastic, amazing episode. No. Uh, I will. Um, not necessarily music related, but do yourself a favor and uh, go see Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. Yes. Uh, we've watched it a couple times now and really enjoyed it. In fact, even more the second time because you kind of kind of have a feel for it because it's got such a, a crazy energy to it. And, uh... and I would watch it again tonight. <laughs> three, three, three for three. Because it's good. It is good. It's got some of the... Kind of one of the, one of the best scenes. I, I not just in, um, in a Marvel movie. One of the best fight scenes, and it's the one the, where they're going into the camp. And oh yeah, there's just so much. There's so much good about that oh, movie. Oh yeah, the and opening. The opening. The scene, opening scene. Yeah, that 15, is like minutes mind blowing. Is, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I have never been a fan of any of the Suicide Squad movies that have been out there. No, yeah, the various iterations or cuts. But yeah. I have to say, I really enjoyed this. Um, studio finally just lets like here James Gunn take all this money and make us a good movie and, they, yeah. and he did yeah James Gunn always makes good movies he wrote and directed it and you can tell yeah and there's a lot of nods to a lot of his own work I definitely make fun of the whole superhero thing quite a bit as well as keeping it actually as an actual because it's an actual superhero movie but kind of making fun of itself but uh a lot of references to his older works, and like I, I was talking about, one thing I noticed on the second time through was a lot of nods to his work from uh, Slither. Slither. I don't know if you guys have seen James Gunn's Slither, but it's, it's definitely worth it. It's a horror flick from 2006, and there's a staple here uh, at Halloween. Yeah, it's so, Halloween. Halloween. Hey, you got your list ready to go? Oh. Oh, I do. Ready oh. to go. If it was How tomorrow. How do? 75 last October? Yes. Two a day, almost two a day. Seventy-five horror movies in the month of October. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to see another horror movie again. Oh, we had good times. It was the first time you'd ever watched the entire Friday the Thirteenth series, which I was just thinking was actually kind of fun because I've never sat down and watched the entire Friday the Thirteenth series, and I think we enjoyed it. Yeah. So for its we'll go with that. For sleep, you whatever. <laughs> okay, get cracking there. You know I have to keep angel pie. About it. <laughs> yeah. Why do you have to? Just enjoy it. It's okay. Okay. It's this, pure crap. The Seldom Seen, Act 2. Uh, they are an American grass, 
bluegrass band. My writing really is bad today because I fucked up my little finger yeah. on my right hand, which is my right. dominant. Writing hand. And so my I might be a little bit... <laughs> you might lose your patience I, with me. I don't have an excuse. My writing's just terrible. It's uh, worse than usual. So they're an American bluegrass band formed in 1971 in Maryland. Mm -hmm. They became increasingly popular in the 70s. Their weekly shows included bluegrass versions of country, rock, classical pop. They became so popular that they had to play more than their one night that they agreed upon mm -hmm. at the local clubs. But they continued to maintain their image as being seldom seen. And on the cover of one of their albums, they were photographed with the stage lights on their feet and their backs to the camera. So pulling a Maynard before yep, Maynard. Yep. Before Maynard, yeah. Um, they remained a non-touring band. They were also prolific recorders, producing seven albums in their first five years of existence. Mm -hmm. They have had some members move on, and one of the originals died, but they still perform today. Act Two was their second album, released in 1973. Yeah, they um, have definitely, I was reading, they constantly have a shifting, especially since the dude, the main dude died. Yeah. They've had a, a pretty fluid uh, yeah, lineup. Yeah, revolving door, yeah. Yeah, it's not, definitely not the same guys anymore. Uh, producer was Barry, It was a guy named Gary B. Reed, but I could not find anything about him anywhere. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Um, I did click on a Gary B. Reed in Discogs, and he was a bluegrass guy, but there was no mention of this album in his producing credits, so... Mm. I mean, it's probably him. But... It could, yeah, it probably was, and because it comes up even with photographers and designers and shit, that that happens quite a bit. Where it's just somebody hasn't on Discogs. If you don't, someone hasn't put the link or put the credit into the entry in the album, then it doesn't show up in that person's edition. Just there's no automatics to it. It's just like no. unless somebody manually does it, it doesn't show up as a connection. No, and I actually I actually typed him into the search bar yeah. on Discogs. And I got that. Yeah, that's what I mean. I have to yeah. do that quite often. And quite often when I go through, uh, for the, for the, like I said, photography and stuff, that it happens where it's just not listed in their thing. Especially if it's a kind of a, um, a more rare release like this is. You know, it's not a mainstreamy release. So. Okay, so the track listing on this album. Yeah. Side one. Last train from Poor Valley. Gardens and Memories. Paradise. Um, small exception of me. I just want to sorry. I just want to say, as you're reading these out, a couple of these um, are other people's songs, like Paradise is John Prine. So cover. Uh, how, cover. So cover House of Gold is Hank Williams. They do have their own stuff, but they're also. Uh, I think this is almost fifty percent covers. So yeah. Uh, train leaves here this morning. Keep me from blowing away. Which yeah, I know that song. Mm -hmm. uh, side two. Hello, Mary Lou. I know that song too. Mm -hmm. Lara's theme. I've lost you. Sweetest Gift, Reason for Being, Smoke and Hickory, and House of Gold. The entire run of this album is 34 minutes and 8 seconds. It has which, 12 songs. Given how many songs, but they're each like two, two to three. three minutes long. At max. Well, we'll say one to three minutes One to three long. minutes. Okay, I'm, I'm down with that because some of these are that short, yeah. So for context, if you have actually heard of Seldom Seen before, um... The Before album was Act 1, they released it in 1972, and the After album was Act 3, 
released in 1973, which is the same year as yeah, Act this, Two. That's like two, yeah. They're just pumping them out. They, you did say they're prolific. They did pump them out. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they had quite a few albums, considering they never toured. Well, yeah, yeah, they never really. They just had set times to they wanted to do it and, and keep their own life separate. And, yeah. Yeah, it's um. It's an interesting one from a standpoint that I, uh, I, I can I can appreciate it because like especially the guys who did this album are really highly recognized musicians, especially now won incredible amounts of awards. But the thing is, is that I fucking hate bluegrass country. Yeah. And as soon as I hear, as soon as you put it on, it's just like all I hear is twangy Benzos. bullshit and yeah. like fucking yeah. Confederate flags and. Yeah. I just my brain tunes out. I, I can't. I can't fucking deal with it. And and like I said, um, I it's actually from my notes is like excellent, well-established musicians playing a genre of music I despise. <laughs> yeah. uh, it all sounds like twangy bullshit. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, though, is if you're into this genre at all, you like folk, country, bluegrass, you're probably gonna fucking love this album. Yes. Thank you for that. I feel really bad when we trash. The genres of music that we some some deserve it, but sometimes like. I agree with you. Yeah, because it comes down to we're just don't dig that genre. But yeah. this is like if you like that genre at all, even a little bit, you should probably check this album check out. These guys out, yeah. Yeah, these guys are one of their millions of albums. And ironically, what's so funny about it? It's actually listed as progressive bluegrass. It's not just bluegrass. It's listed as progressive. They were they were known as progressive bluegrass, which is I hilarious. Can, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Totally, yeah. They played a little bit faster than the others. <laughs> a little faster. Slight time change. Timing changes on the jug glowing. <laughs> but <laughs> they really, they're playing like the opposite metal beat, but on the jug. Oh my god. Uh, You're hilarious. <laughs> but like I said, it's, it's a catch-22. So uh, I'll read my stuff off real quick. Uh, like I said, Act 2 by The Seldom Scene. I would imagine that your notes are pretty much the same as mine on that one. Oh, definitely. Yeah, okay. yeah definitely. Uh, Act 2, The Seldom Scene, <coughs> Rebel Records, Catalog SLP1520. Uh, it's an American pressing, U.S., 1973. It's original. And I, um, yeah, the condition, the covers, I have okay. It's worn and faded, but it's like a, it's a weird, it's not just yellow, but it's like a textured feel. It. It's like a weird textured. Oh, yeah. And it also, it's also one it's of, like, kind of one of those flimsy ones. It's like the difference between regular writing paper and really good writing paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's if you want to go with that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's got some, it's got some meat to it. It's got some texture. <laughs> yeah. It's not just a shiny cover. Uh, but uh, other than that, like it's it's okay. It's worn and faded. Oh, that corner's kind of got gimped up a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 okay. It's okay. The cover's fine. <laughs> it's not poking out anywhere, but it, there's probably better better ones out there. Uh, the sleeve, plain paper. It definitely doesn't look like original. Um, the vinyl. It was like all these albums. You first pull them out. They're all a bit dirty. But other than that, once you get them cleaned off, they're, this one is very good condition. There was scratch free. It was just like pretty much new. Um, and the audio, uh, from what I remember, was okay. I mean, all I could hear was like Charlie Brown noises. But it was mixed and, and sounded okay. And that goes back to what I was saying. With the, so, if you like this, if you like the album, if you like, or if you like that genre, please check it out. Yes, if you, I totally agree with if that. If you're like us. Don't like it, just avoid it, because you're going to hate it. Uh, okay, that's me. Okay, so Discogs uh, have 327 people have it, 38 people want it. It gets 4.18 out of 5, with 22 people rating it. 
uh, resale value, $2.51 in poor condition, $6.30, and $17.50 in good condition. Mm -hmm. Would you end up giving it? <laughs> I always feel so guilty when we do these albums that we you don't owe them anything. We don't like the genre of, but um, I will give it a one out of five. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so what I, I actually split mine into two different kind of ratings. I, oh. said, I have if, if you like bluegrass country, I gave it four to five. Yeah, like, it's, it's a really like if you're into this shit, it's a good album. Oh yeah, so but that's, I said if you if you're like me and don't like the genre, one out of five. I gave it the same as you. Okay, so maybe we'll have to start doing that from now on. For, for on, genres that on we genres just that we don't don't care about. Care about. Okay, so uh, seldom seen. Act two down. Down. Okay, right. album number two, The Kinks. The album with Misfits. The best, best cover. Yeah, it's got a good cover. I've actually, this has been my cover, or this has been my uh, homepage and lock screen on my phone since we pulled these out of the collection. Oh, really? This one, that's finally, someone dethroned my uh, kimono in my house by the Sparks. Crazy. The Sparks Brothers or whatever. Crazy. <laughs> Which, we watched the Sparks Brother documentary again as well. Yes, watch the Sparks Brother documentary. It's directed by Edgar Wright. It's fantastic. And, yeah, I, I can't wait. actually look forward to seeing Sparks Brothers movie. Uh, yeah, Annette. Annette. Yeah. It's coming out on Netflix. No, Prime. A a Amazon, oh, is it Prime? Yeah, Prime Video, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my brain defaults to Netflix. No, because there there's a couple of movies coming out on Prime. I think mm -hmm. that are coming up soon that are just going to go straight there. Mm, Val Kilmer's documentary. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. And we've also seen the Anthony Bourdain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Roadrunner. Roadrunner. Very good. Yeah. Okay, back <laughs> so to the had, Kinks. We got to the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Kinks were an English rock band formed in London in 1963 by brothers Ray and Dave Davies. They're regarded as one of the most influential bands of the 60s. They emerged at the height of British rhythm and blues and Mercy Beat and I had to look Mercy Beat what up. What is it? It's obviously French, some sort of French thing. No. Oh. I thought it was going to be, you know, like that one where it was had something to do with fashion. Mm. This is actually, Mercy Beat was a pub, music publication in Liverpool that was quite popular oh, okay, okay. in the 60s. Okay, gotcha. So, okay. during their their reign. So uh, one of the uh, during the blues and the Mersey beat, and they were briefly part of the British invasion, until their touring band in 1965 due to constant fighting between the brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's something that kind of just continues. I think throughout their all their yeah. Stuff. Oh, and they lost a lot of band members because of it too during their yep. their years together. Their influ their music was influenced by a wide range of genres, including American R and B. They gained a reputation for reflecting English culture and lifestyle, fueled by Ray Davies' uh, witty observational writing writing style. Uh, mm -hmm. The Misfits was their 17th studio album, released Holy in... fuck. I know. They made a lot, and there's a <laughs> lot more after I this. I know. I was just thinking, that's why I was thinking. It's like, holy shit, this is the, you said the late 70s. They still put out a ton yeah. of music. Uh, it was their 17th studio album, released in 1978. Wow. It featured more rockin'-oriented style than many of the recordings of the 70s. Despite internal... Internal? Yeah. Internal? That wasn't my writing. It was my mouth. <laughs> brain. Despite internal conflicts within the band, the <laughs> album made the top 40 in the U.S., but did not chart in the U.K. Okay. Uh, the producer was Ray Davies. Track listing, Side A, Misfits, Hay Fever, 
Live Life, which was a single that was released. Yep. A Rock and Roll Fantasy, uh, which was a single, a single. and went to number 30 that in was the US. I think that was the biggest hit off this album. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, last song on side A, In a Foreign Land. Side B, Permanent Waves. Um, Black Messiah, which was also a uh, single, single yeah. but Lifeline or Live Life and Beach or Black Messiah were they didn't even cause a ripple. No, no. On the singles scene, um, Out of Wardrobe, Trust Your Heart and Get Up. The runtime on this album forty minutes and twenty nine seconds. For how, how how long is that runtime? Forty minutes twenty nine seconds. Forty, hey, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I thought it was longer I than that. I didn't calculate it. it. That was on the... No, okay. I, I know. I, I totally believe you, page. but for some reason I thought it was longer than that. Mm. But no, I, that's okay. Fine. Good. Yeah, considering. Oh, I think... You know what it is? You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking of uh, on the Spotify, when we played it from there, they have an extra song tag and a live version of one of the songs. And oh, I think okay. that's why my brain... So that's why your brain thinks. Yeah. Uh, for context, for those um, Kinks fans out there... Mm-hmm. The before album was called Sleepwalker in 1977, and their after album was Low Budget in 1979. And I think a couple of the songs from Sleepwalker, they didn't make it onto Sleepwalker, made it onto this one. Yeah, I think I remember reading um, that. They don't, I keep looking at the album cover, but they don't have any, there's, there's no, no information other no. than the King's Misfits, that's it. There's, that's, yeah. there's no credits or anything like that. <laughs> Stop touching it. <laughs> don't need to look at it, there's nothing on there. <laughs> So what do you think? What's your what's your take on this all? You know what? I really liked this album. Oh, okay. Wow. And the more we listened to it when you put it on again today, yeah, yeah. I was like, yep, I really like this album. Yeah, it... Um, oh, that's good. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I liked it the first time, but the more we listened to it... Yeah, I was going to say, the more we listened to it for sure, it's like, oh, okay. The more I kind of thought, yeah, I like this album. I'm not sure that I would ever... Listen Would to I ever go listen to it as it's in its entirety again? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, probably. And I agree with you. Probably not on that one. But I. But I might pick some songs off of it to I, go on to my I'm pretty playlist. sure. I'm pretty sure. Once again, I just did it again. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I have moved a couple of these songs, two or three of these songs, over to our playlist. So. Cool. But yeah, I, I generally agree with you that I don't. But I listen to the whole album again. But definitely got a little better as we listen to it a bit more. Yeah. Pardon me. Um. I just have, well, it was well-reviewed, but I don't necessarily agree with the high rating. I, I, I didn't think it was uh, four and a half, four star, four or five stars that people were giving it. I think it was, and I'm not saying a bad album by any, any stretch of the imagination. I agree with you. It's the more we listen to it, the more it kind of grew on, grew on me. And I wish we kind of like, it's one of those cases where what we do doesn't really allow us to know or get into the lyrics too much, because I'm sure there was more lyrical content that made it even more. Yeah. Um, my my negatives about it was that it was a little bit uneven, and and it's funny because I have it a bit too long, and it's funny that I have that because like I said now that I look at the title, yeah, you're you actually there, songs. so it's and it's only forty minutes, so it's like I obviously felt some of the songs were trash. Um, I, Hay Fever is one I would immediately cut off that album. That song Hay Fever is so stupid. It sounds like it sounds old and outdated, and dumb, and for this album because like some of these songs. Are definitely, I agree with that. Some of these songs are beyond that. In fact, a couple of them, um, I would even say particularly Out of the Wardrobe, which is definitely one of the songs I'd recommend, recommend off this album, it actually sounded a lot like the, a, a song, an alt-rock song from like the early 90s. 
And I actually like it. It sounded like it could have like it been so necessarily be, Nirvana song, but it before could before its time in that genre. Yeah, totally. It's just kind of bonkers, but uh, um, yeah, rock and roll fantasy, uh, Black Messiah, and Out of the Wardrobe. I thought were the strongest songs uh, on the album. Yeah, and for me, uh, there were songs that stood out for me, but I didn't stop long enough to go and see what they were called, mm. so I couldn't tell you by name. I'd have to go listen to it again, and then you know personally move the ones over that I liked. And uh, like you were talking about before, the band was also kind of imploding around this time. And this is really the last album with this lineup. This yeah. is the second, second album they did for Arista Records and really it was about the last time up with this line, lineup. Because after this, they, the rest of the band was just like essentially... Yeah, fuck two you. of the four players left. Left, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the, re the remaining guys actually were... Uh, they actually were trying to form a separate band... And then Ray Davies found out and was super fucking pissed off. And fired the guy. And fired the guy. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, he saw that. And then it was like, the, essentially the album was just filled out with uh, session musicians. Because yeah. they, they shit can the band. Yeah. So, so it's kind of weird. I, I kind of kind of get that feel from it a little bit. And I have I have been a longtime fan of the Kings. Yeah, the Kings. And of Ray because, Davies in particular. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's amazing to me that there's so much stuff. And this album kind of feels like a in-between in album. Like they they're going through some change. You're trying to trying to do something different. Well, they're kind of some of the old they stuff definitely sounds. Definitely, we're going through some change. Yeah. Well, they, some of the some of the stuff sounds real kind of old and tired, and some of it sounds kind of where they should be going. It's like it sounds like a very transitional album. And uh, I will say too, uh, this is also my favorite album cover of the three. I know I mentioned that already, but mm -hmm. it's really a, a cool, outstanding, it's simple cover. Really, it's just like. I don't know if it's all the band, but it's just him, and it's just like it's stretched and warped and mirrored, and there's extra eyes, and it's. Just... So go to the Instagram account. Oh yeah, the Instagram account. Yeah, go point to the Instagram account, account to look like because we always post. Always post them there. I always post the album covers. Find our back episodes. Every episode. Okay, so. Uh, and it's reviews from the crawl space, all one word. All one word reviews on from the Instagram. Yeah. You'll see it. You'll see us there. Uh, so yeah, misfits. By the Kinks, Arista Records, catalog ABM-65020, Canada. Uh, I don't know the year of this. Re this is a reissue, and I don't know the year of it. Um, the condition, actually, the cover is good. Between very good, or good and very good. A little bit of a condom ring fade. Uh, the edges are actually in really good condition, and the spine is readable. So, to me, that's the good, very good. There's no stains or anything like that. The sleeve is good. It's actually original, and this is just a plain. It's plain blue, but it's the original one. And it's in good condition as well. See, plain blue. Um, the vinyl. Once again, I've talked about it before. It was dirty, but either once you clean it up, it was just like brand new, like it had never been fucking played before. And the the dirt on these vinyls continues to be an issue for us. Like, I mean, the the new amp does a better job of cleaning up the sound, and it really really does a good job but at the same time god we should, should have invested it in one of those vibrating cleaning machine dealies <laughs> like <laughs> 90 episodes ago we'll see if we can get them to sponsor us yeah it'd be nice if somebody out there wanted to sponsor us um uh where was i the audio was uh, it was okay um from what i remember it could have used more bottom end but it was it was it was it sounded like a 78 you know pop rock mix Nothing, nothing special, nothing bad. Uh, art direction by Jack Stewart Grayson. Uh, artwork by Jean-Luc Epstein. Uh, photography by James Wedge and Keith Ransden. Uh, so for Jack, this is only credit. There's no information, anything. This is it, number one. 
Uh, Jean-Luc, uh, creator and head of the graphics house Graphic, has 129 credits to his name. The Stranglers, which we love. I wish there were some in this collection. Eric Clapton, which, mm, well, you know, you know how that's going. <laughs> 10cc, and of course, if you're going to have 10cc, he also did work for Godly and Cream. Oh, cool, cool, cool. that's kind of where Godly and Cream came from. Right. Um, the next is jameswedge.com, and I have jameswedge.com because the page actually works. He's a British photog and painter. And uh, 28 credits to his name, the police, George Michael, Cliff Richard, which I don't know. I only know about because we saw on Top Gear. And then... Oh, right. That's, uh, yeah, still Top Gear, yes. And then I have my and, little story And then story you have your story about, about going to see him. Going to see Cliff Richard when I lived in Calgary and finding out that he was just a Jesus guy. And <laughs> all, he, all of his songs, like it just reminded me of that episode South of Park? South Park where Cartman goes to get a gold album <laughs> and he just changes all the words to like girl to Jesus. Jesus, yeah. And becomes very uh, popular in the Christian music. Yeah, only to find out that they just did the ratings by like uh, myrrh. And yeah. <laughs> it's like, Frankincense. Frankincense, what the fuck it says. So he, he doesn't get his gold album after all. But um, yeah, that's I'm with interesting. You on that. Yeah. And um, so. I just, hold on a second. I want to yeah, say, and sorry. I'm not quite done yet. Um, I actually added James Wedge to our Instagram because you should go check out his paintings. You're going to like his paintings. And I'm not sure if they're oil or if they're water base but there's there's some cool shit there okay. and like i said i've added them to our instagram page okay I'll um have to go check them out. and keith uh he has 15 visual credits including uh, bands i've never heard of yellow dog lena martell and chic so that's that's fun chic might we might chic know sounds familiar yeah. um, i could be just thinking of a song though okay um that's it for me all right discogs yep. three for sale for nine dollars and 99 cents 12 people have it, 12 people want it. There are No one has rated this album, hmm. so 0 to 5. And they have never sold a one of these albums on the platform, so I have no resale value Yeah, the, 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 um, for it. They've sold all the one, not, not this reissue one. Condition. It's in great condition, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, hmm. Okay, what do you give it? I give it 3 out of 5. Yeah, that's what I gave it to. Oh, seriously, yeah. I'm so surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm listening to it a bit more. It's like, yeah, because I, 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 I couldn't give it two because it is better than two for sure. But, you know, anything more than that didn't seem quite right. Three, right in the middle. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, uh, Kinks cool, cool, cool. Down. All right, now on to the third album, and I'll give you some history here. Black and Blue um, is the album that we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. But this is the fifth Rolling Stone album that we've talked about Five. from oh. the collection. Well, we um, won't be done either. The uh, Black and Blue, Tattoo You, Undercover, Exile on Main Street, and 12 by 5. And an interesting side note on Exile on Main Street, it's it's on our third most listened to episode. Yep. Um, and we totally, with, I think we totally other, shit on it too, didn't we? The other two albums, probably because, yeah, <laughs> we'll get into it, I'm sure, during this whole thing. Uh, the other two albums were Rod Stewart and Faces called Overture for Beginners, and yeah. the other one was Love It to Death, Alice Cooper. So yeah. I'm not sure who people tuned in for. Probably but, for Exile Main Street, but, but it still, was, it's, uh, it was, um, it's a pretty solid episode anyway. Yeah. So, 
Uh, the Rolling Stones, an English rock band formed in 1962, and I'm not going to go into any more information about them. Yeah, we've covered them because thoroughly. we've covered them a lot, and, and we will continue to cover if them. If you don't know who the Rolling Stones are, you've been living under a rock. Oh, even under a rock, you should know who the Rolling Stones are at this stage of the of history. They've only been around doing this since 60s, like early 60s. Did you say? say 63? 62. 62. Yeah. Okay. Before I was even born. Before, any, before all of us, any of us, before before the dirt was born, these guys have been touring. Okay, so uh, Black and Blue is their 13th studio album, released in 1976. Black and Blue showed the band blending its traditional rock and roll style with heavy influences from reggae and funk. And you know how I feel yeah, about well, reggae and white guys. There's only really one re- white reggae song. Still. Whatever. Uh, only one single from the album, Fooled Cry, had any significant chart success, and reception of the album was mixed. Many reviewers found it mostly forgettable. It went to number one on Billboard. It sold one million copies in the U.S., and number two in the U.K., it sold 100,000 copies. I did fine anyway. No, people hated it. The album was promoted with a controversial billboard on okay, Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. <laughs> it showed model Anita Russell bound by Jagger. Under the phrase, I'm black and blue from the Rolling Stones, and I love it. (laughs) The billboard was removed after protests by the feminist group Women Against Women, Women Against Violence Against Women. Mm -hmm. Uh, But by then it had garnered so much press coverage. Yeah, yeah, they got huge coverage out of that. I mean, yeah, it's a real creepy kind of thing, but they definitely worked. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I almost, I had this little scenario running through my head where they talked about it before they put it up there. Knowing full well that it would be taken down, but thinking, fuck it, fuck let's it, yeah. do it anyways. It's just going to bring more press to it. So, In 2000, um, this album was voted 536th in Colin Larkin's all-time top 1,000 albums. Producers, the Glitter Twins, which we all know by now is Jagger and... Richards? Richards. And honestly... Uh, I mean, just if they're producing it and they're the ones in charge of the sound, good for them because it sounds fantastic. Track listing, side one, Hot Stuff, which was a single that was released. Yep. Hand of Fate, Cherry Oh Baby, Memory. Which, Cherry, Cherry Oh Baby is the white guy reggae song you you don't like. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um, memory Hotel. Yeah, <laughs> memory Motel. Decipher your writing. Side two. Uh, first song, Hey Negretta. Melody, which I absolutely love that song for some reason. Yeah, it's a fantastic song. Uh, Fool to Cry, which was their single. It's a good and song, too. Crazy Mama. The runtime on this album, 41 minutes, 24 seconds. Hmm. Okay, Considering well, it's only eight songs. Yeah, well, one of them is over seven, yeah. which is kind of weird for Rolling Stones, but... Uh... Uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, uh, for me, actually, you go first on this one. Well, I think if you've been listening to this podcast at all, you know that I'm not a fan of the Rolling Stones. Uh, yeah, g- generally, we aren't. I mean, I like some of their songs, but their their albums, I would say, are we are generally not fans of the Rolling Stones. The only s- album of the Rolling Stones I've ever owned in my life was Some Girls, and I played the hell out of it. Yeah, it's a good album. Um, but I have to say... I liked this album. That's funny, yeah, because you, you, funny when we pulled it out, you were like, ah, 
fucking Rolling Stones. Yeah, again. Uh, I, yeah, and I wasn't... I was kind of similar, but as I had an idea, it's like, oh, I know, black and blue, okay, this might be a good one. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I know you weren't super keen on it, but I remember we were sitting listening to it, and I think we were, like, a couple songs in, and it was just like, you know, that's where I turned to you, I was like, you know you like this fucking album. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing you're that, like, no! The thing that surprises me about it is that it's not full of hits. No, because, and I was, I wanted it good, I'm glad you brought this up, because yes, that's why I think it didn't do well, because it wasn't just all these short poppy songs you could play on the radio, and then just like, it was a, all these songs, like I said, there's a seven minute song on here, it's, these are all longer, like jammy songs, that groovy songs that you kind of get into, it's not just, they, they're not just radio hits, essentially. Well, you put it, you put it well, when we were having a little bit of a discussion about it before we started doing research. Yeah. Is it's the one of those albums that you can put on? And it's, a, it's a rainy day album. Yeah. Yes, and, and I, yeah, yeah, def, definitely want to definitely bring that up because that kind of goes into with the sound of it. It's uh, what would we say? Um, oh, I fucking did write it down. The guy who was on the keys, who did the keyboard arts. Uh, Billy Preston. Billy Preston. Thank you. Shit, you can really his influence on this album is really apparent because there's a lot of that kind of blues and he says funk in there, but yeah, funk, blues, a little bit of soul. It. Like I said, it's a much a groovier album, but it's not loose. It's, it's still the really tight band, but they're they're grooving more. It's not it's not the typical Rolling Stones poppy, you know, start me up bullshit. It's it definitely is a different. The Rainy Day album is the best way to put it. It's an album where you're putting all you're doing shit at home and you're doing shit in your apartment and you put this on and this will sound fucking great and you're gonna want to turn it up loud because these songs really are fantastic. Yeah. And this album definitely got uh, I just absolutely bullshit. Uh, with bad reviews when it first came out. It doesn't have that high-pitched, screechy component to it that most of the other... No, no, this, this, is, this is like have. a very kind of chill groove album. Yeah. And I think that's why it didn't do well, because people wanted a certain kind of thing from the Stones, and they were like, man, I'm going to do this other thing. Yeah, go definitely go listen to Melody. Mel Melody, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Melody is definitely one of the songs I have. Uh, it's got like a real bluesy feels to it. And... Memory Motel, Melody, Fool to Cry. I also have in brackets just the whole fucking album. Yeah, the whole album is good. But yes, yeah. I, I'm with you on that. And it's just those three songs, the Memory Motel, Melody, and the Fool to Cry, that's like, that's exactly the album right there. Just these yeah. longer, uh, intricate, but still like jammy songs. I, no, I, I, it was really a surprise. Um, let me go through some of this stuff here. And I have to say... Like we said at the beginning, we're not a fan of the Rolling Stones. If we like like the song, there's some songs you've had an album, but I have to say, out of everything that we've covered so far, of theirs, this, yeah, of theirs, this is this is my favorite. I don't, totally. I wouldn't consider any of them else, but this one is definitely my favorite. Totally. Of the, of the totally, bunch. totally. Um, lots of good grooves. Uh, the, the marketing campaign. Uh, I yeah, there were some of the negative reviews, mixed reviews, where people were like. This is the end of the Rolling Stones. They fucking yeah. suck. And it's like, well, yeah. The, the guy from Rolling Stone Magazine. The Rolling Stone Magazine, What I think, was yeah. his name? Oh, it, it was one of the big guy. Yeah, one of yeah. the... the one that's in... Um... Oh, shit, yeah. Now we're, we're just like... In that Cameron Crowe movie. Uh... Oh, my God. Almost Famous? Yes. In that one, Almost Famous? Oh, he's the guy in, that, in there? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, okay, he's okay. in there in some way. Oh, that's right. Doesn't Philip Seymour Hoffman play him? Lester Bangs? Lester something? Bangs. That's yep. his name. Okay. Yep. Okay, boom. There we got there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you said you said already it was on. It was 536 on the top 1,000 
of albums to yep. listen to. Okay. Top 36, yeah. Okay, so uh, go ahead. Or is it me? It's me. Oh, for context. Oh, context, sure. Before I start. Um, before album, It's Only Rock and Roll in 1974. And for after, Love You Live, 1977. Hmm. Okay. So black and blue, the Rolling Stones. Uh, Rolling Stone Records, catalog, COC 79104. Uh, Canada, 1976. This is an original pressing, and it's also the gatefold edition. Uh, the condition, the cover is good. I mean, it's it's faded and worn because it's clearly been used, but it kind of, after me, it kind of adds to this kind of album and this kind of album cover. Um, it's still in good condition. It might be worn, but the corners are great. The gatefold's fine. Uh, the original sleeve's good. And it is the original sleeve, which is awesome. This doesn't happen that, that often. Um, well, the vinyl, I didn't have it written down either. The vinyl it was, once again, dirty, but cleaned up and excellent. But what well, the real star here is the audio mix and the sound field is fucking outstanding. And it adds so much to this album. You can hear all the instruments, all the voices. They all have their place and they all fit in the, and, and they fill up the room in the right ways. And they're clear. Mm, very good. And... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, man, that's just, like I said, it's just a surprisingly, surprisingly good album. Uh, photography and cover by an artist named Hiro. Uh, Hiro is a renowned Japanese-American fashion photog, worked for uh, f for decades for Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, and New York Magazine, plus, plus a lot of others, just a huge list. Uh, 21 visual credits to his name include Johnny Winter, Miles Davis, Jefferson Airplane, and yeah, there's tons and tons more. Um, uh, the cover cover was shot in Florida, Sa Sanibel Island, Florida. Like, it's funny because at first I looked at him like, "What the fuck are you talking about, Florida?" But you can see they like there's the ocean behind, like just through these little holes. <laughs> Otherwise, you would that could be taken literally anywhere in the fucking Walmart parking lot. You wouldn't know. And that's they they did a hole. They flew to this photo shoot, and it's they're like, "Okay, you guys stand close together, snap, get the fuck out." Like. It's just, it's, it's incredible that to me the amount hilarious. of, the amount of effort they go through for some of these covers and it's just like, it's just, they're standing together. It's like, okay, click it. Okay, go. <laughs> they probably spent all day. Oh yeah. Probably days doing oh, yeah. it. <laughs> By the lots beach. Of money. Lots of money. Oh yeah. Okay. So there, that's it for me. All right. So Discogs has nine for sale for $9. 66 people have it. 27 people want it. Um, it gets 3.2 out of 5 with yeah. 5 ratings. Fucking bullshit. And I almost broke down some other ratings I saw all other places that were like 6 out of 10 or... It's like, fuck you guys. <laughs> Go listen to your Tattoo You album or your fucking... Resale value. $12.60, $15.43, and in its best condition, $21.42. Yeah, well, that's close. Like I said, it's faded, but that's the only thing that's up with that. To me, it just adds value. It's worth thirty dollars, I think. Just for the extra just wear. Just because you say so. It's like it's like those going to the store and people buy those stupid ass designer jeans. They're all ripped and faded and gross and disgusting. Like they came off some hobo. That's this album. It's worth at least thirty or forty dollars more because of the wear on it. Distress, distressing. Is that what they call the jeans? Distress yeah. jeans. Whatever. Uh, so what do you give it? I give it three out of five. I gave it four out of five. I really enjoyed it, and I will listen to it some more. I would listen to this album all the way through again. I'd like the other ones. Oh, yeah, the other ones were Burn It With Fire. Yeah. So your best of three, then, I guess, is Rolling Stones. Yep. 
Yep, I just uh, that whole album is just fantastic, and I would listen to it. Um, and but I would give the best cover to the Kinks, Misfits, the Misfits. Or oh, I wonder if that's something we should start. Well, I kind of do. Maybe when I kind of do a little bit. Maybe when uh, the co- there's covers that warrant it. Yeah, so well, that's why I mentioned the Kinks specifically is because I think that one warrants it. It's one of those ones I think is. And I scored both the Kinks and uh, Rolling Stones three. And for me, I give a slight edge to the Kinks. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, for sure. Slight edge. Slight edge. And it's only because of that reggae song. Nah, I can I can overlook it for the rest of it. It's no problem for me. Uh, all right, that does it. We're back. That's back at episode one hundred and one. Feeling good, sweating for no reason. Just sitting here, <laughs> stinking. Okay, uh, uh, Instagram. Follow us there. Refuse from the crawl space. What we're working on. Photos of what we're working on. The album covers now. Back episodes. Twitter. Same thing. Uh, we're at RFTCS1. Uh, that's that's on Twitter. So find us there and follow along. And on Twitter we tend to do more kind of music related. General music related um, notes and news and shit like that. Where, and we put the word out when the new episode Yeah. And out. Instagram is more about just like here's the stuff we're working on. Here's yeah. the album covers. Here's the back episodes. So. All right. Thanks for listening. Later. Bye. Oh, thank you.